Welcome to the Exploring Leadership Podcast, where we interview experienced HR leaders and executives to define what the most effective leaders are made of and how to help underperforming leaders transform into the best they can be. Brought to you by Lumen Leadership. Now, here's your host, Spencer Taylor. Welcome to this first episode of the Exploring Leadership Show. I'm so excited you're joining us. I'm really excited about the interview that I just concluded, the very first interview for this new podcast. Uh, I'll get to that here shortly, but I have a personal interest in it that uh, my my first guest is someone who's very personally close to me and has made a, a tremendous amount of difference in my life for good. Um, so I'm excited for you to meet him. I'll introduce him here shortly. Uh, but as we get started... Uh, I'll just point out or just to highlight that the whole reason I'm doing this is to interview amazing leaders who have stories about their interactions and lessons learned from other leaders in their lives that I think will will create a sense of clarity in each episode as to one thing that all of us can do. Those of you investing your precious time, your valuable time to listen, uh, that we can take with us and immediately apply to become even more effective in our leadership in today's rapidly evolving and unpredictable world that we're in. So without further ado, here is the first interview of episode one. I'm very excited to have Burnell Taylor as guest number one here on the Exploring Leadership Show. Uh, And yes, Burnell is my dad. He's the CEO and founder of Taylor Mastermind. Uh, He'll tell us a little bit more about that as we dive in here. Uh, Before I turn it over to him and ask, ask him some questions, I just want listeners to know that I did not choose my dad as first guest, just because he's an easy yes, which he is. He's very willing to help out in any way he can. Uh, but I this 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 uh, podcast is all about exploring leadership. Uh, I see a leader as someone who is influential, who's able to influence someone toward positive outcomes. And my dad is, without question, one of the most influential people in my life in a very positive way. So. Um, so it was deliberate in that sense. Of course, it's great to also have someone who's so willing to help, but I'm thrilled that, uh, Dad, that you're willing to join me for this first episode. So thank you, first of all. No, you're welcome. I'm very glad to be here. This is exciting. Excellent. Well, so let's let's uh, let's focus on you. T- tell us about you. Just uh, give us your background, anything you want to share, help us get to know Burnell Taylor. Well, I'm happy to do that. By the way, thanks for the introduction. That was very kind of you. We'll, I'll pay you later. Um I'm, uh, well, let's see, I'm from uh, Loa, Utah. That's where I was born for and, and lived for a few years. I have uh, grew up mostly, it's all here in Utah, but mostly along the Wasatch Front. Uh, currently live in Mapleton, Utah with my uh, queen, Renee. We've been married for 46 years. We have six children. Uh, as of last night, we now have 24 grandchildren. We had twins last night. Pretty exciting stuff. We were very near that whole situation, so it was cool. Um, business-wise, I've been in um, self-employed since I was about 25, I believe, when I left my full-time job and ventured off the cliff. And I've uh, owned many companies since then. Some I would consider to be quite successful. I've got some pretty good epic fails to share if you're interested, but I've been all over the board and I love the life of an entrepreneur. Excellent. Yeah, that's a great intro. Thank you. Uh, Tell us more about Taylor Mastermind, your current venture. We'd love to hear just what that's about. Sure. Taylor Mastermind is a, uh, I facilitate groups of uh, small teams. They're all entrepreneurial. Uh, They're either the business owner or or a very senior executive that's actually driving the bus. Uh, They're in, uh, they're organized into teams of about eight. 
and they meet every month for uh, several hours to help each other uh, solve their big problems and leverage what we call the collective genius in the room. Uh, and it's, uh, in fact, I just had one last week. Uh, the One of my better members was uh, talking about the experience and, and he owns a, a large printing company, uh, has three locations here in Utah. And he said that the three three hours he spends in that huddle was worth a hundred hours outside the room. Wow. And that was, uh, I don't know whether that's, it was exaggerated or not, but that was his word. So that's what we try to do is give people a lot more value so they can work on their business instead of just in the business while they're, while they're unplugged from that society and just really plugged into one another to help each other grow. That's pretty incredible. Well, and I can, I am proud to be a member of one of your teams. Uh, team number one, in fact, it was the first team you stood up. I joined it after the fact, but uh, I can speak to that as well, just that it's time so well invested and gives me uh, insights. It's not a traditional networking experience where you're handing out a bunch of business cards. Uh, I think there's enough of that in the world, in my opinion. It's more about making deep, true uh, relationships that uh, you can tap into at any time. I've had some big decisions to make in my own business lately, and I was able to reach out to my group outside of the scheduled meeting and get some really, really substantial feedback, not just one word answers, but some really thoughtful, deep answers to some of my biggest challenges. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm happy to be a promoter of what you're doing. I, I think it's amazing and uh, pleased to be on one of your teams. So yeah, thanks for telling us more about that. You bet. <clears throat> so, uh, so dad, one of the things that we do pretty often, uh, not as often I think as either of us would like, is go for a hike. Uh, we like to hike up uh, Whiting Canyon. This is a little closed canyon near, near my dad's house, uh, not too far away from my house. Um, he also has another hike he enjoys that's across the other side of the valley. But uh, I want this to kind of feel like that. I'm hoping that we can just have kind of a, a back and forth, mostly you talking. I'm going to try to talk as little as I can, but anxious to hear as we talked a little bit before we hit record, uh, just about your experiences with different types of leaders throughout your career. Uh, the, the way that I've framed it, as you saw kind of in the outline, uh, is just a, a sunny story, meaning a, a leader that's high impact and then a, a stormy leader, one a leader who was low impact or maybe even toxic. Um, so maybe we start with the good stuff, start with the, a very good example of a strong leader. If that works for you, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts around that. Well, sure. But if we're going to replicate the hike, then I've got to be breathing really deep while you're hardly <laughs> breathing at all. And, uh, and I'm going to be about, about 30 paces behind you mucking along in the, in the mud. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, for our listeners' sake, we, we should omit that part, but I like your thought. It's good. <laughs> all right. Well, let me give the, the sunny story. This is, uh, I, I thought it was a very interesting question because the best business leader I have ever been around, uh, I was maybe 25 years old. It was just before I left, you know, the corporate world of working for the man. And this guy name, guy's name was Joe Venus. Uh, I was working on the 24, 23rd floor of a very tall tower in Salt Lake City. And I was working in a small team. It was a graphics team. And there was about uh, seven or eight of us in this team. And, you know, next to us, there was another team and then another team. I think there was about four or five of these little groups. And Joe was, you know, our supervisor, my immediate supervisor. And the work, the type of work we did was just grunt work to the max. It was, do, it was pasting type. Um, most of you are not old enough to know what that means, but it was just pasting down galleys 
and preparing them for printing. Um, but Joel, for some reason, instilled in us the desire to become the very best department in on the whole floor. And uh, we just, we lit up and it was really cool because he would walk around, we'd get a job in um, and we prided ourselves in getting that done faster and better than any of the other teams on the floor could do. And within a period of about two months, you know, we were just, we were, we had the, the action going on. And he would walk around and, and nowadays you couldn't do this, but he'd walk up behind you. He'd grab your shoulders and he'd massage your shoulders as you're doing your work. And he said, and he would say things like, you know, we can do this, you know, come on, we're on deadline. And uh, I was so pumped going to work for this guy um, every, every single day. And when a new job would come in, uh, we would draw straws as to who got to dis- distribute the job scattered among the eight people and then who got to take the job back downstairs to the to our bosses, uh, you know, the, our client, as it were. And it was I remember doing that a few times and, and someone would I, I walked in one day carrying this finished product and the, the client said, you know, what are you here? Is there a problem with this? And I says, no, it's done. And they said, no, I just sent this up last week. You know, you must be talking about something else. And uh, Joe just had the incredible power to put us on fire. And I, and I just loved working for that guy. He was, he was lots and lots of fun. That's very cool. I love it. And as I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, you just used a phrase, the power to put us on fire. I, I was going to ask you just uh, more about what one attribute uh, he exhibited that allowed him to have that impact. So maybe we go even a layer deeper since you already naturally answered that question. Uh, he had the ability to put you on fire. What do you, where do you think that came from? Like, did you get any insight as you interacted with Joe that uh, I, I give you some wisdom as to how he had that thing, uh, that ability? Oh, wow. I, I, I think it was, um, I, I think it's because he recognized that our, our job was actually a really boring job. And he wanted to make it fun. And so he he designed it in such a way that, and, and I don't even know if it was on purpose, maybe it was just naturally him, uh, but he designed it in such a way that we began taking pride in what was normally a very mundane job. And we became so prideful that we would swagger, you know, we would even walk in the other departments and said, uh-huh, uh-huh, we got this. <laughs> it was just a uh, and, and it all came from Joe. He just had this natural fire kind of in his gut. And he instilled that into each one of us that might have been just grunt workers. But suddenly we were members of the elite team that dominated the floor. And that's just the way he did it. I, I don't know quite how to describe that better. Sure. No, I think you did a great job. I like your word choice there. That's great. <clears throat> well, and I'm curious, you uh, you've told us at the beginning in your intro that I that you left around that, uh, that period in your life, were you still working for Joe when you left? Uh, and if so, was it hard to, to leave that at all? <laughs> Actually, that's a little bit funny because every year the, the place I was working, we had a season of busy. And during the season of busy is when all of this incredible experience happened. We were just getting peppered right and left with all of these orders. And we were just, uh, swimming in work. And then after that season is over, then all of the orders kind of disappear and you kind of work on your portfolio. You come in and put in your time. And yes, I I was still working for Joe at that time, but I remember during that slow time when everything went boring, uh, there was no more work to do. 
And that's when I got stir crazy in my, you know, my entrepreneurial heart and said, I got to get out of here. This is making me nuts. Um, so yeah, it was hard to leave Joe, but it was not hard, hard to leave at work at that particular time because it was, it suddenly became corporate America. And <laughs> I guess my feelings about corporate America are kind of negative. So I shouldn't talk too much about that. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Yeah, no, I appreciate you're welcome to share whatever you want to share. And I'm I'm glad to hear you describe that because I, I wrote down, as you were just saying that, when things get boring, people start looking, um, you know, they start looking external. Uh, so I think maybe that's a core lesson uh, for all of us is just to think if we're leading a team, we need to make sure we find ways to keep that team truly engaged, not just with uh, with any type of busy work. I don't know. I'm, do you have any other I guess, uh, lessons that you would suggest people might take away from that story? Well, I, I think, number one, make it fun, uh, make it competitive, number two, uh, so that somehow you're competing against somebody, whether it's in the same company or another company, uh, but that's very, very helpful. And you know, like you just said, number three is to make sure that the work continues to flow. Uh, in, in this particular case, I don't know that there's anything Joe could have done to to level out the playing field because it just dried up. But if, it, if it's at all possible, keep, keep the challenge in place. Cause people like me, you know, once the challenge is gone, I start looking over the fence and thinking, okay, what, what's next? Sure. Well, that's, it's ironic because I know that you're, you're very talented in your graphic design skills and I'm sure you are one of his high performers. Um, and he lost you because of, that uh, just that factor alone. Well, I mean, I think you probably would have ended up an entrepreneur either way, but he probably would have been able to retain you at least at least a little longer if, if that uh, if the fun would have continued. I guess as you put it, I don't, is that a fair statement, or how would you revise that? I would I would put it exactly that way. Perfectly said. Cool. Okay. Well, great. Uh, excellent story. Okay. Let's shift shift to the second half of the equation. Then uh, just focusing on lessons that you've taken away from a a low impact or even a toxic leader that you've experienced? What came to mind along those lines? <laughs> this, this one was just as easy as Joe's story because Joe was one of my heroes and has always been since my early 20s because of the way he did it. And I've actually tried to mimic him, you know, in, you know, when I had employees of my own. But the flip side of that, we'll call him Bob because I don't dare use his real name. Um, but I was working in a, um, in a scientific company as a marketing director and um, this man today, you know, if you talked with him, he would not know that he was a micromanager. He was a tyrant and he was a he was an absolute dictator and he was generous. You know, I made better money there than I, you know, as an employee, I've made better money there than I had in most other employee situations. Of course, I haven't been employed that many times, but that was one. And I made good money, but I just could not. Uh, uh, how, how do you describe this? Um, he, he had absolute rule and whatever he said goes, he never asked the team their opinion. Well, actually he did. He would ask the opinion, the, the opinion, and then he would give his opinion, which was the law. So no matter what the team came up with, and, and most of them didn't dare say, I always dared say, which got me in serious trouble sometimes. Um, but I never dared. I mean, I, I, he would never listen. He did not have ears to hear. He was like a deaf person. And so the way he ran the company was demeaning and authoritative. And, oh, I don't, I'm looking, I'm searching for words here. 
there, there were times while I was in under his employee where I would pace the pace my office, uh, and I would look out the window and watch the deer, and just wish for the day the day away. And as I've already expressed with my earlier story, that's that's a that's the recipe for a bad experience for this guy because I'm I, I like to be busy and I like to be challenged, and there was no challenge to it, but it, I was always being stepped on and, and looked down on. It was awful. It was, it's the number one worst experience of, of my employment life. Um, and I used him as an example, Bob, <laughs> as, as an example of someone who was a, he made tons of money. He had the authority and he, he flexed that authority to the demise of every employee he had. Every, every one of his employees talk behind his back, but in, in front of him, they're always kissing up. Fascinating. Yeah. What a, what an interesting story. Well, and you, again, you touched on a little bit of the cultural side already, just that there was this kind of this gossip chain or, or uh, willingness to, I don't know, negative water cooler talk, that sort of thing, I guess is a good way to describe it. But what other things did you notice in the culture, the company culture, that you think we could attribute to Bob's um, tyrannical style of leadership? Well, he, the, the, the first one that comes to mind is that he didn't really want to know. Um, I was uh, during one of my engagements with him. I can't really remember whether I was there as a contractor or as an employee, because I was, I kind of did both at one time or the other. Um, but I created a, um, a 360 review uh, of him and of other key leaders in the company and without asking, <laughs> oh man, without asking anybody's permission, I distributed that among all the employees. <laughs> and it took about 20 minutes. And I had just finished distributing this survey. And, you know, the, uh, the acting president came walking in and hauled me into his office. And he said, what in the heck do you think you're doing? Because uh, the, the questions that I was asking are, do you, you know, are, how do you feel about the leadership? You know, if, if there's something you could change in this company, what would it be? Um, you know, what, how engaged do you feel? I was asking the sorts of questions that you probably ask now in your career. Um, but honestly, I had no right to ask the questions, but I thought, hey, you know, if, if he, if Bob only knew, let me see if I can paint a picture for him so he can do something about it. But I didn't realize he didn't really, didn't want to know. Well, it, yeah, it, it's really interesting. You touch on that. It's a phenomenon that uh, that I think we've both seen in many different places. Uh, and you just you just summarized it well. But just this whole truth that uh, that we can't see our own warts. Often uh, we have these blind spots, and it does take the type of feedback that you're describing. I think in a lot of cases uh, to to close the gap between what we believe is true about ourselves and what other people believe is true about us. Um, there there was a study done a few years ago focused on uh, trust, just building organizational trust and trust between people uh, that indicated we tend to think ourse- think of ourselves as more trustworthy than others think of us. Um, so even just that single truth there, I think, applies uh, to a lot of different situations. Like we, we might feel confident, but other people might perceive us as arrogant, for example. Uh, we might think we're really good at paying attention to detail, but other people perceive us as micromanagers. You know, that, that type of an idea where it's, it's uh, maybe it is a strength. It's good to have confidence. It's good to have attention to detail, 
but it's not good and can be disabling for others uh, or even uh, cause someone to leave an organization if those uh, things that were once strengths uh, go to an extreme. So I don't, any thoughts around that? Does that resonate in this particular situation or what's your, what are your ideas around that? Well, I, as you were talking, maybe I was a little bit distracted because I was just thinking of how, of these different employees and the way they actually felt working for Bob. Um, there was one person there that was the shipping manager. Her name was Annie. And I was talking to her. I was just walking past one day and, and she was just saying, thank goodness it's Friday. And I says, well, great. What are you going to do this weekend? And you know, she says, well, Burnell, when I leave here, I'm going to go to the liquor store. I'm going to buy me three fifths and I'm going to go home and I'm going to get fall down drunk all weekend long. And I learned from her that she did that every single week. Uh, that every weekend she would go buy three fifths and she would get fall down drunk all weekend long. And on Monday, she would always come with a hangover, but she was able to at least do her job. And then she could just pray for the coming weekend. <laughs> I, I just, you know, you know, you're laughing and I'm laughing because it's, but, but it's actually a tragedy. I can't believe yeah. that that was, that was the equivalent of her life was waiting for the weekend so that you could erase everything that happened during the week. Wow. Oh, I agree. I, I like that you chose the word tragedy. I think I can't think of a more appropriate word uh, just because life has so much more to offer than that type of uh, struggle to just make it through the majority of the week in order to be absolutely miserable during the minority <laughs> of the, the weekend. Uh, I can't, I've never been drunk, but I can't imagine it's very fun once you have that hangover status and having to visit the porcelain throne and all that. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, put put the images in my head. Maybe I don't. Uh, I want to get rid of, but it's a good <laughs> illustration, though. I appreciate it. Well, so let's let's just kind of look at both or think about both stories. Uh, what what are I guess if you had to just choose one takeaway from either one, uh, what what would be the main thing that you learned from both of those leadership experiences? Well, I, I would think that uh, because I want to end on a positive note, I think that no matter how mundane a job may appear. Uh, no matter how how boring it is, or you know, you just you're putting widgets in a box. That's all you do all day long. No matter how bad the job is, you can make it fun. You can make it into a game. You can make it a very positive experience. And it depends on the leader. You know, who's the person in head of that group? Because there are other good leaders. You know, back to my story of Joe, there are other good leaders, and they're great guys or, or gals. You know, but they're great people. But, you know, Joe is the one that was able to create that mojo. And and it's because of his attitude toward that mundane work. And and his attitude spilled off to the rest of us, which in, in, in effect infected the team with this positive energy that just, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it maybe infected is the wrong term, but it just lit us up. You know, it, it made us want to be there. And I could hardly go during that time. I could hardly go wait. To be at work. And I'm a family guy. So I, you know, I, I wanted to be at home, but I loved work too. Oh, that's, that's really terrific. Well, and, and I, again, you saw in the outline, I like to challenge us together to, to work together to try to find one word that would summarize that lesson. You know, you said, no matter how mundane, how bad a job is, you can make it fun, make it into a game, make it a positive experience. You mentioned mojo. Is there a word out of all that that really encapsulates uh, it as best as we can? Will you let me use two words? Absolutely. All right. The, the, the two words I came up with 
sorry, the two words that I came up with are personally invested. Hmm. Uh, okay. Joe, Joe was completely invested in us as the team. And, you know, he didn't make, uh, I mean, he made a little more money than we did, but it wasn't for money. It wasn't for even recognition or anything else. He was fully invested in us and he wanted us to have a good experience. And he was, he became the master Jedi at that. He was really good at it. Conversely, you know, the, the other guy, uh, Bob made tons and tons more money than Joe ever did. Um, but it was all dollars and cents. It was focused on the bottom line and, you know, reaching huge goals so that he could, you know, buy more stuff. And I just thought that was, I used the word tragedy a while ago. That's also a type of tragedy because he was focused on the wrong things and the people were just the means to the end. Hmm. Uh, that's, that's a sobering, but very important lesson. And again, I love that you helped us end on a positive note with thinking about Joe his level of being personally invested. And I think that's something all of us can, can certainly apply and, and uh, be confident. We're going to make a positive impact if we do, if we do that, like Joe did. So, so thank you again, dad. I, I appreciate you taking your time here and sharing a couple of these life stories that, uh, that I think all of us can now become a little bit better because of what you've taught us. So thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. What will you take away from those stories, particularly the story of Joe that will help you be a better leader or even the story of Bob. Sometimes the most important lessons in leadership are what not to do. How will you help your people know that you are personally invested in their success? Hopefully you've already had one or more ideas uh, just from listening to Burnell's stories. But if not, uh, here's just one final suggestion to cap off this first episode. I work with a lot of leaders who are very overwhelmed. Uh, I would say even increasingly overwhelmed in today's world. Uh, we, we're living in this world of where the pandemic is still raging. I'm recording this in December of 2020. Several research studies have been done since most of corporate America has shifted to virtual work, and we collectively are working more than we ever have, which is kind of interesting, right? We're working from home, most of us, many of us, uh, and yet uh, we're actually spending more hours working. And it really makes sense if you think about it, because, I mean, my laptop is arm's length from me at, at any time throughout the day. So I'm at work quote, right? Uh, air quotes. <laughs> Those come through well on the podcast um, all the time. I mean, I, I can literally, oh, I'll just check this quick email. And the next thing I know, I've spent another hour uh, working on several urgent items that popped up when I saw new emails that had come in and Teams messages or chats or whatever. So it makes sense that we're, we're more overwhelmed now than we've ever been. Uh, there's a risk of burnout. Uh, the point of all of it is, as you think about having that positive uh, that positive, fully invested type impact on your people, letting them know that you're you're personally invested in their success. It can feel unreasonable or unrealistic for you to take more time to do that. So here's a tip that will take about 10 or 15 seconds. Express gratitude for one of your people one extra time this week. Just let them know you appreciate them. Of course, it needs to be come from a place of sincerity. Uh, but just let them know you're grateful and do it one more time than you would have already done. So if you normally express gratitude on a regular basis, if it's four or five times a week, then do it five or six times this week. Um, if you hardly ever do it, then it'll have even a bigger impact of you taking the time in 10 or 15 seconds just to say, I really appreciate your extra effort on that. Thank you. And again, that might not might not seem like it's directly correlated with being personally invested. But gratitude is a powerful tool to break down barriers, to build deeper trust, to convey sincerity, uh, to convey the level of personal 
care that you have for your people. Um, so that's, that's my challenge to you. I hope this first episode has made an impact in your life. I encourage you to lead on and lead well, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Exploring Leadership Podcast. To access free videos, leadership tools, case studies, tutorials, and more about how to engage your leaders at the next level, visit lumenleader.com. We'll see you next time.